The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan. And this is Charlie. We're your host for today. And uh, as we look at the culture all around us, I know you've probably seen it as well. Um, it seems like more and more and more, the culture is going against the grain of Jesus and who he is and what he stands for. And uh, in this next season of life, in this next generation, it's becoming increasingly more difficult to publicly stand for Christ. And uh, that's, of course, in the West, uh, but even more so, I would say, around the world, where uh, there are more people in this day and age who have been martyred in this time, in this century, who have been killed for the faith than all the prior centuries before combined. And uh, so that tells us something. And uh, uh, I think culture now, because of technology, is evolving and even connecting and learning from other cultures way more quickly. So when you have something negative and something evil and dark and coming against the name of Jesus and it's spreading rapidly, I think it impacts a whole number of people even more quickly. Mm. Um, so so that's uh, just to set the stage for what we're seeing and, and experiencing. Um, and, and so we've decided in light of that reality that we're all facing that we should spend some time here uh, studying God's word. And one of the key books of the Bible that addresses this very issue, uh, we're not, there are more than just this book, but one of the key books is the book of Colossians. And uh, it's bite-sized and fun to, fun to just be able to break down. And so over the course of the next several podcasts, and we might interrupt ourselves here and there, but over the course of the next several podcasts, our goal is to do just a, a Bible study of Colossians and see what we can do pull out of this book as it applies to the world that we're living in now, which Charlie just kind of brought to light for everybody, uh, this this world that's really pressing against Christ. So we got to ask ourselves, why the book of Colossians? Nate, you're just saying that like, hey, it's this key book. It's, it's uh, written with some of the core truths of the faith. And um, it's really written to encourage us in the midst of despair and when life feels out of control and foundations are being shaken, it's written to center us in what's true and who Jesus is. Uh, it provides motivation for us and power for us to find victory in the midst of struggle and in the midst of battle and uh, uh, to discover really what is a life with Jesus as preeminent and first place in everything. What does that actually look like? And uh, Colossians leads us to unpack that. And I think we're going to see that in the episodes ahead. Um, one of the key things that that is addressed culturally in Colossians is this big, fancy, historical word called Gnosticism, which uh, every time I hear that word, I go, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> through re you probably feel the same way listening. Like, uh, what word did you? Never heard that before. Uh, it even starts with a G. 
it's like a Italian food, gnocchi. Or, I don't know if you're supposed to say gnocchi, but Gnosticism. So uh, they basically started to spread lies where these believers mentioned in the book of Colossians lived. And they lived in a city called Colossae, hence the Colossians. And they started to spread these lies around that um, God, there, there was a separation between the material and the spiritual world. And so because of that, God would never lower himself to be polluted by the material world. And it's like, whoa, that has serious implications uh, that are absolutely opposed to Christianity, absolutely opposed to the truths of, of the Bible. Right. And uh, the gospel makes it very, very clear that uh, God can be God with us. Um, there's there's often phrases like God can't be where sin is or God can't be where, you know, people are doing evil things. And I'm like, well, Jesus kind of flies in the face of that statement because Jesus was the perfect with the imperfect in his uh, conception in. Well, I conception might not be the greatest word for that, but you guys know what I mean. In being born, um, he was God with us in the midst of our mud puddles. He was right up close to the disciples and all of these lowly people in the midst of their sin all throughout his ministry. Like, yeah, God can be with sin uh, in light of the not fact in that his action, but around the people who are who are sinners. Right. Uh, he God doesn't sin and he doesn't cause people to sin, but he's around people who are sinners and he can be up close to them and in relationship with them and all of those things. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, Jesus entered a dirty, sin soiled world. And yeah. then he was accused of being a sinner, of being a glutton, of being a drunkard because he hung out with those people. Right. It's interesting. Jesus juxtaposes himself in the Gospels with John the Baptist. They're like, he didn't do anything that humans are supposed to do. And then Jesus does all the things that they complain John didn't do. And then they accuse him of being yes. a, glut a, a glutton and a drunkard, just like you just said. Anyway. All right. So, so I, I want to say, I, I say before we transition off that, too, um, with this Gnostic idea and the separation of the spiritual and the material and like, God wouldn't lower himself to be polluted by this material world. And you might hear that and say, well, I don't think that like I I don't do that. I don't live that way. But I would say culturally in the church today, many of us take that lie in a different form, in a different fashion. And that is, oh, well, God is really close to those other people, but not to me mm. like uh, that guy is super spiritual. So it just seems like he is really close to Jesus. And I never could be like, I'm not good enough for that. And I'll never be able to do that. Like he's so distant. And the reality is truly, he's not far from any of us if we'll reach out and seek him. Yeah. So we, we look to Colossians to say, great, what does that look like? And how do we get there? And just a couple more important things for you guys to know. And you could learn any of this by reading the first part of your study Bible. There's a lot of great resources out there. Um, but basically, Paul didn't start the Colossian church. Uh, this is, uh, we'll get to this in a minute, but this is a really cool example of how uh, the ministry of Jesus had already reached many spiritual generations. And uh, like even third and fourth generation Christians, spiritually speaking, were becoming messengers of the gospel to other places. So it's really exciting. Um, and you should also note that Paul had the writer of this book, 
Paul, uh, had a previous relationship with one of the key characters that we're about to read about. Um, and we'll bring that to light a little bit later as well. So Colossians, it's it's all about addressing these core issues that the Colossian church were, was having. And Paul had never met them. So this letter, as you'll see, will have writing that indicates it's like, even though I never met you, like I'm still praying for you. That's why it sounds that way. So. Well, let's uh, let's dive in by reading it. So yep. we'll we'll read the first chunk here, verses one through eight. This is what it says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will and Timothy, our brother. So for context, that's who's writing it and who's sending it. The, the, this is the from. <laughs> and then he says, here's who it's to. To the saints in Christ at Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. You learned this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the spirit. So when we read that, what really just jumps off the page to me is all these people and relationships. Uh, you've got Paul and Timothy sending this letter. You've got all those who follow Jesus in the city of Colossae. And then you've got Epaphras, which is this name that just gets thrown out there. Um, that's like, hey, who's that guy? Uh, and well, it says that all the Colossians learned about the good news of Jesus through Epaphras. So he was the guy who told them about Jesus and led them to believe. And uh, it's interesting we discover that he's reporting these things back to Paul. So he's going, hey, Paul, here's here's what's happening among the Colossians, because Paul's saying, hey, I, I heard about you guys, and I've heard about. And so so you have Epaphras going, hey, Paul, here, look, check out what happened, which means who is Paul to Epaphras? Like, we don't know exactly. We have to read between the lines. Almost every scholar or another would say, hey, he's some sort of mentor figure to Epaphras. But even others would some speculate and say we think that he got led to christ in ephesus when paul was preaching there um and uh so it's really fascinating to say hey somehow whether for his salvation or his spiritual development epaphras has been impacted by paul and now it's multiplying and epaphras is carrying that forward in this place called Colossae. right it is really interesting and uh ephesus does play this key role timothy is a pastor in ephesus so it's worth noting that in addition since he's one of the senders uh paul spends approximately three years in ephesus doing ministry on one of his missionary journeys and uh it makes sense the reason that uh scholars would argue that epaphras was led to christ by paul in ephesus is because uh, the connection between Ephesus and Colossae is quite clear. Um, Colossae was an economic, had an economic connection with Ephesus. So uh, the fact that Epaphras would have gone from Ephesus and shared the gospel with the Colossians, it just makes perfect sense. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's a very compelling argument personally. Yeah, I agree. And um, as we look at these people, it begs the question, like, 
All right, we know for sure they're they've been impacted. The Colossians have been impacted by Epaphras. Epaphras has been impacted by Paul. There's all this kingdom impact happening, and a lot is said about them, about these people in these few words. And so it begs the question for me, like, what's said about them? Like, what kind of people are these that that live lives of impact? Um, and I think if you continue to look at these words of the text, it just starts to kind of surface. Uh, they what what's said about Epaphras? He's dearly loved. Like what what does it take to be dearly loved? Right. It, and uh, it's really interesting. Like it's no, Paul finds it noteworthy. So when he's spreading the message about these people, uh, Epaphras is saying that they're full of hope and full of love, which is cool. Like. I would love to be characterized as yeah. <laughs> if if that's what someone took away and after meeting me and they were like that person's full of hope and full of love that would be that would be quite the compliment. And I would say, man, like those who are full of hope, full of love, full of joy, serving, humble, all of that, those are the people you're really drawn toward. Yeah, like that's. I'll bet Epaphras, like I'll bet people wanted to hang out with that guy. And so no wonder he's called a dearly loved servant. He probably serving everybody all the time, loving them, but not like he's sharing truth with them and serving them. How can I love you guys? How can I serve you guys? How can I help you guys? And uh, the people who've impacted me, they they live the similar kind of lives. They're people full of joy, full of peace, full of humility. They want to serve. They they actually want to know more about you than they want to like share about themselves and lift up themselves. They're like, hey, let me just like lift you up. And even it looks like Paul's doing that here. Like he's lifting up Epaphras in the eyes of the Colossians. Like, hey, I heard, and he's lifting them up. I heard about you guys. You have such great love in the spirit. You guys are awesome. And, and like Epaphras, you learned this from him. He's a great servant and full of love. And uh, you see him not trying to puff up himself, but to empower others and lift them up in each other's eyes. Um which is really cool. Like I, um, I think of my great uncle, which maybe I've shared on a former episode. I can't remember. Um, but, uh, this guy went from England, um, to the mission field in India and served there for over 40 years, um, reaching unreached tribes and empowering people, multiplying people to go there and engage them, uh, from within India. And, uh, I remember when I was younger hanging out with him, and just wanting to be around him because he was always joyful about everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I remember going to get ice cream one time and he offered to pay for our whole family's ice cream. And I was kind of shocked because I somehow picked up that he didn't have much money coming from the mission field at all. And uh, still he was sacrificially giving and always wanted to know about us, to care about us, to be with us. And uh, as I spent this up close time with him, these things started to rub off and his passion for the unreached and to get the good news there. And he, he couldn't like, let's always pray about something like, oh, let's pray about that. Oh, we should pray about that. Oh, before you go, why don't we pray together? Mm -hmm. um, always just marked with prayer. And uh, that is something that has impacted my life to see that type of life lived. Um, and I, I see that in the text here. That's the type of lives that that were given as examples that are that are impacting this entire region. Absolutely. Uh, I, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm seeing anything else, but except for the fact that they have, they've grown, uh, attached to the good news. 
Um, one of the things that Paul addresses quite frequently in his letters, including in the letter to the Colossians, is the good news and just how very simple it is. Um, for whatever reason, we obsessively complicate it and make it something that it's not. In fact, Paul will address that later in this book, uh, taking the gospel and making it something that it's not. Um, or manipulating the gospel or adding to the gospel or whatever, when in reality, it's just this very simple truth that Christ died on the cross for your sins, was buried in three days later, rose again. Yeah, so true. Um, I'd love to read uh, verses nine through 14 uh, and end with that passage uh, and talk about that for a couple minutes. But uh, it says this, for this reason also, since the day we have heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son. He loves in him. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Mm. So like, man, Paul's never met these people, but he's like constantly praying for them, mm -hmm. laboring and prayer for them. And uh, what's his prayer? Basically for several things uh, that they're going to walk worthy of the Lord and bear fruit, that they're going to grow spiritually, that they're going to be strengthened by his power and have what kind of character traits like, wisdom impact uh patience joy he's praying that these would be realities that they experience all centered on knowing jesus you know what's really interesting is how in the first set of verses that we read he's highlighting something that they're already very good at they're abounding in hope and love and then in these latter passages he's like and i'm praying that god would increase these things and it's not like a a critique as much as it is just like a an encouragement and like mm -hmm. saying hey as a spiritual father i don't know <laughs> as a spiritual person who's taught you guys like i'm so I'm, I'm eager for god to keep doing these things and bringing this fruit in your life and that's why i'm praying for you and uh it reminds me of the this dynamic that exists in our world today even still of the need for both of these things um I find that many Christians seem to have one without the other or the other without the one. So they abound in hope and love, but they have no knowledge, no wisdom, no understanding of spiritual yeah. things. Or on the flip side, they have lots of understanding of spiritual things, a lot of understanding and knowledge. But when it comes to practically loving people and having hope and like really living out their faith in Jesus, they don't. And it just it's a reminder to me that that was an issue 2000 years ago. It's probably been an issue throughout Christian history for the last 2000 years, and it's still an issue today. Uh, some of us focusing too much on the intellectual side, not enough on the love side, too many of us focusing too much on the love side and not enough on like the truth side or understanding the the realities of scripture. And it's a, it's a both and thing. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if we prayed for each other more in these areas, how much more growth would we actually have in these areas? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Paul's not like, oh, I'm just going to pray because it's the nice thing to do. Hey, I'll, I'll pray for you. Real sorry that your life sucks right now. I'll pray for you and then forget about them an hour later. Mm -hmm. uh, like he labored. He, he said, we never stop praying for you. And I bet they grew in these areas. They yeah. matured. 
They they were living this type of life. And uh, I wonder if we committed to praying for each other in these ways, if we ourselves might also become those people of impact. It's interesting in verses uh, 9 and 11, who Paul highlights as the one who brings growth, who 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 facilitates this. Uh, he's not. He doesn't say, "Hey, I really hope that you guys dig deep and and work hard." And I, I, I mean, obviously, we're not against those things, but Paul's not saying it. He's saying God's the one. So in verse nine, we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We asked God, we asked God to give you complete knowledge. And again, in verse eleven, we also pray that you'll be strengthened with all His glorious power. So Paul is calling on God and saying, "God, I know God's the one who's going to change your heart, and so I'm going to continually pray and pray and pray and pray on your behalf, knowing that God's the one who gives the growth." Uh, Charlie, I know you yeah. recently wrote a blog for Forge uh, on this very subject, First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter three, verse six, where a whole similar issue going on with the Corinthian church. Um, they're debating about which leaders this and that, which leaders this and that, and the passage goes on to say. I, Paul, planted the seed and Apollos watered, but God is the one who gave the growth. And uh, I think there's this incredible value of us recognizing that God is the one who gives the growth. Like he's the X factor, if you will. <laughs> he, Like if you try to be a Christian without God and recognizing that God's alive and that he has a Holy Spirit and that that Holy Spirit dwells in you and that you need to ask him for help and all. Like if you try to be a Christian without him, it's just not going to work very well. Uh, I mean, some of us can fake it for a little while. Some of us can do the right traditions and say the right words, but uh, true transformation, true life-giving, like real world following Jesus Christianity will start and end with God is the one who gives the growth. God is the one who brings it about. God is the one who does it. Yeah. And uh, I think we'll continue to see that throughout Colossians as we dig into Colossians uh, through various episodes and see the themes emerge uh, from this this book of the Bible, this letter that Paul wrote, inspired inspired by the Holy Spirit, and um, I think it begs this question, and we're going to see this especially as we dig into the next passage next time. Uh, and it's the answer to anything you're facing, to anything we experience. Uh, this is a question that I would even challenge you to walk away with and to wrestle with, uh, because it's at the heart of the book of Colossians, and it's at the heart of what Paul was proclaiming in this letter, what Epaphras proclaimed to the, the Colossian people and uh, what they begin to live out. And it's, it's this question, is Jesus in your life or is he all of your life? Mm. Um, like, is he just a category in your life or is he first place Lord of every category? And that's a, a question worth wrestling with. And, um, I believe is the answer to every single thing that we face. And we'll begin to see that throughout the entirety of Colossians as we continue digging in. Absolutely. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. Join us again in the future as we continue through the book of Colossians. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. God bless.